in this era and in this time of the gospel, Epicenter Church is all about the gospel. It's the gospel, the love, Jesus made whole, center, left, right, everywhere we see Jesus. He's the center of the gospel. So we talked about the counterfeit gospel and we saw that it doesn't work and it doesn't give you lasting peace. We also were able to assess ourselves through the gospel test and we asked critical questions like does this gospel cause me to fix my eyes exclusively on Jesus does the gospel empower me to overcome sin and so on the penultimate week we saw how the gospel made us royalty where we're made to understand that we are king priest and then the Sunday before then we saw that the gospel made us righteous and we are righteous by revelation and we feel righteous by revelation. Somebody say amen. Today I came to continue in that spirit and I came to minister on what I titled the narrative has changed. The narrative has changed. You know in 2001 to 2008 sometime in Nigeria we had um, a lot of decadence in the pharmaceutical industry in the healthcare sector where you are not sure, you're not certain about um, your health. If I was a situation where you could even take paracetamol over and over and over and over again and the headache is not relieving. It was so bad that there were counterfeit drugs everywhere. There were what you call fake drugs everywhere. And you know what happened? There was a time when it got to the point where it started to even hunt some of those people who were the architects of going abroad, counterfeiting those drugs and bringing them back to this country. So it had to come to that point where it was, it was, it was, in fact, it was so bad that the government of the day searched and they found a woman of blessed memory, late Professor Dora Akinoli, and then they brought her in. And because she's a no-nonsense woman, she fought. In fact, at some point, she had assassination attacks on her. She fought hard. And guess what? From that abysmally low level, she was able to raise and destroy and try and do a lot of... She overhauled the NAVDAC. And NAVDAC has to do with the regulation of food drugs, National Agency for Drug and Food Agency and Control. So she had to regulate it to the point that at 2005, we were at 15.7% in the whole country. 15.7%. Meaning that, in fact, at some point, they instituted that if you, look, if you take a drug and you put a code, you will check the authenticity of that drug, if that drug is real or not. But child of God, you know what? She came in, she changed the narrative. She stopped what was not supposed to be. But guess what? When she left office and when she died it was as though we came all back to square one in fact right now in the journals you see some people say it's at 70 percent then navdak will come back and refute and say it's at 15 10 the statistics is dicey do you know why because when man changes the narrative he doesn't have the ability to sustain the narrative when man changes the narrative. He might be able to change the narrative, but he doesn't have the ability to sustain the narrative. 
you will agree with me that for the first time in the political history of this country, we are having the youth rise up and say we are taking our country by ourselves. It's a whole lot of problems. In fact, it has caused uproar everywhere. Because normally it's not like that. There are things we cannot say on the pulpit. But let me just give you an insight. How they usually do election is you bring your man, you write the results even before the election. If you perceive that the person at the eye neck is going to misbehave, you will sack him and bring your own person. You will take from the population census, you will share it. They used to write results before even the election. But guess what? The youths of the country have said, no, we are stopping it. For the first time, we have over 20 million new registered voters. And all of them are shaking. They are shaking because the narrative is about to change. But it doesn't end there because the truth is, even if we change the narrative, it only takes a supernatural power to sustain the narrative. So it's not about we going there. It takes a supernatural power to sustain the narrative. So the narrative that changes must be first in the supernatural. Move with me, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. See what the Bible says. It says, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Somebody say amen. Let your amen be louder. I was hanging out with some of my friends. <laughs> I think that was either on Saturday or so. When we finished. No, 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 it was on Friday. Ah, he saw me. You know, he said, these grace preachers have come again. <laughs> That's why he said, these grace preachers have come again. And I looked at them and I smiled. And we started to talk. He said, do you believe in eternal salvation? I laughed. Say, what do you mean? Walk out your salvation with fear and tremble. I said, you need to come and sit down under my pastor. <laughs> you know why? Because the truth of the matter is that before now, we already know that it's by the blood of goats, by the blood of cows, it's by the blood of all those animals and bulls. It means that by now, many of us would have been into animal husbandry, not to make money, but for the forgiveness of our sins. Somebody like me now, I should have like um, a very big cattle ranch. A different animals though, because it depends on the sin. Yes, it depends on the sin you commit and what they will tell you to sacrifice. But guess what? When Jesus came, he changed the narrative. He says, it's no longer about the cow the bulls, the cows. But look at it there. He entered into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption. Do you know what that is? Eternal. Lasting forever. Unending. Age long. Endless. So the salvation and the redemption came before you were born. So even when you die, it will still be available. Timeless, permanent. And that's why a songwriter says, 
I need no other sacrifice. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You know, sometimes we don't understand the magnitude of what Jesus did for us. We trivialize it. We just think that somebody said, you must come. I laughed. I said, so is your confession that actually makes just like, <laughs> makes Jesus forgive you? No, he doesn't understand. We've seen that God does not understand words. He understands blood when it comes to sin. So once and for all, it's eternal. It's, it's ageless. It's forever. What he has done for you is forever. Like, imagine you went into a restaurant and you ate with your friends and somebody, and when you were about to pay, somebody tells you, ah, he has paid for you. Now, two things happen. Either you accept the payment or you reject the payment. Now, when you reject the payment, two things happen. Either you don't believe he paid for you or it is pride. How can he pay for me? Do you know who I am? How will he pay my bills? But that's what happens. But do you know the truth of the matter? If you go to a restaurant and they've paid for you and you go and insist you want to pay again, the person, the cashier, will take you as a fool. So it simply means that some of us who are trying to pay for our sins, sorry, it's not me that said it, but we are acting. That's why even Paul said, Oh, you foolish relations. We're acting like fools. Your price has been paid, fully paid. I'm going to be showing you some stories. Journey with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. From verse 1. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham and verse 10 for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost the Bible says that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho to enter and to pass through a place is to successfully penetrate and spread across that geographical location so when Jesus entered Jericho the gospel said the gospel the gospel himself because Jesus is a total emancipation and replica of the gospel so wherever you see Jesus you see the gospel because most people believe that the gospel came after Jesus had died no the gospel was Jesus personified and that's the reason Jesus could look at somebody and say to him instead of you to receive healing 
you're asking for healing and Jesus is telling you your sins are forgiven. Even the Pharisees were in contention. What kind of man is this? Because they don't understand that the first thing you do that happens to you when you encounter Jesus is that you encounter the gospel. When you see Jesus, when you meet Jesus, you meet the gospel. So there is a transfiguration. There is a forgiveness. And that's why Jesus had the temerity to tell people, your sins are forgiven. I mean, he just, your sins are forgiven. You've met me, your sins are forgiven. Jesus entered through Jericho. He passed through, meaning that Jesus, as he was going through Jericho, as he was passing through Jericho, listen to me, child of God, Jericho is a very significant place in the scripture. The Greek word for Jericho means fragrance. Jericho is a very important connotation in the scripture and I kept wondering why Jericho why Jericho and when I realized that Jericho meant fragrance it meant that Jesus was passing and the whiff of the gospel spread like fragrance Jesus passed through Jericho and Jericho was overwhelmed Jericho was submerged Jericho was super saturated by the gospel because the presence of Jesus went through there. And when he was moving, the Bible says that people were following him. There was a press. There was a crowd that was following Jesus. Listen to me. Many people have blindly followed without understanding that there is an encounter. But there was a man called Zacchaeus. He knew himself very well. He had heard so much about Jesus. He had heard that there is a man that is making waves. And guess what? He wanted to meet that man. He wanted to see that man. He wanted to encounter that man. I don't know why he wanted to encounter the man. Maybe the man has been said in all the offices. Maybe for whatever reason. Me, I want to see this man called Jesus. As I just said, I'm going to see whom this Jesus is. He was probably not the only person. And you know one funny thing, Zacchaeus was one of the big men of those times. He was a chief amongst the tax collectors. So that means if we were to translate it to today, in today's government grading, he might possibly be one of the cabinet ministers. And because he's the one that receives the revenue, most definitely it will be that he's the minister of uh, finance or coordinating economy but guess what the influence of Jesus made such a man to leave whatever he was doing to come to know what and who this person called Jesus was Jericho many people were in Jericho you know uh, open for me Joshua chapter 6 verse 2 Jericho is a formidable city and a seat of intellect. And today it's called, um, it's called Tel El Sultan in present day Palestine. It says, for the son, Joshua, no, please, Joshua chapter 6 verse 2, quickly. Joshua chapter 6 verse 2. I'll quickly read mine. Okay, he says, 
And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho. Jericho was so important that even in those days, God delivered the whole city into the hands of Jericho. He says, I've given into thy hand Jericho and the king, even the kingship of Jericho was delivered into him. And guess what? When, when this man that happened to be the chief tax collector in a city, in a city of repute, he didn't even know anything about Jesus. He didn't even understand why people were following Jesus. He had heard stories different stories and funny enough he was a publican and there was what they looked at publicans as those days publicans were seen as the marginalized set of people because they were only relegated to task collecting and the rest of them but amongst the publicans this man was the auger he was their boss he was the top amongst them he was one of their leaders. Probably they had agitated for governance and they said, okay, bring one of your sons. And they brought Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was made part of them at the government level. But when Jesus came into Jericho, when the gospel was spreading, when the fragrance of the gospel was spreading, guess what? Zacchaeus ran and said, I, today I want to see. I want to know who is this Jesus. I've heard so much about Jesus. And because of the crowd, he had to climb on a tree to be able to see Jesus. The Bible says that he was small in stature. So he had to climb on a sycamore tree to be able to see Jesus. And when Jesus was passing and Jesus noticed him, Jesus saw him and told him, come down. Jesus told him, come down. He was surprised. People were wondering, how can Jesus, this Jesus be seen amongst this kind of persons. And he says, calm down. I'm going to be in your house today. I'm going to be in your house today. And guess what? The moment Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, the Bible says that salvation came to his house. That means there is something about the personality of Jesus that brings about salvation is the gospel. In other words, where you see Jesus, you see the gospel. So Jesus is interchangeably the gospel. So it means that while Jesus was passing, he was making way. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when he was making way through Jericho, he encountered a man who was in search of the way, but did not know the way. So when he met Jesus, when he saw Jesus in person, revealed to him physically, he began, immediately there was a transformation. Child of God, when you encounter the gospel, the narrative changes immediately. Because Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, when he saw Jesus, the next thing Jesus told him was that salvation had come to his house, and immediately... Zacchaeus was a transformed man. There and then, the gospel transforms us. The gospel changes us to what God wants us to be. What he had originally planned and designed for us. 
There were limitations to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a publican, like I told you. He was amongst the relegated. He was amongst the marginalized. He was among the people that had been forgotten. He was among that set of people that they don't even give power to. We can only make you this, but we cannot make you... The Bible says he was smallish in stature. He was short. There were limitations to Zacchaeus. He was not even a pure Jew breed. He was not in the pure line of the Jews because the publicans were not considered pure breed Jews. And then he was a tax collector. Most definitely he had made enemies for himself. He had so many limitations. And they were wondering, how can such an influential Jesus, how can such be accessible to people gathering Stooping too low to be found among such crowds. Listen to me. The influence of Jesus was cutting. The influence of Jesus was class cutting. The influence of Jesus was ageless. The influence of Jesus was gender friendly. The influence of Jesus was just beyond human capacity to understand. Because he was everywhere and he was accessible to everyone, to any kind of person. Including the people like Zacchaeus. And when... Zacchaeus met with Jesus. Jesus said to him, salvation has come. The gospel is the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of love. Jesus brought love where other people were saying rejection. How can this kind of person? The gospel is, is a gospel that sheds love upon us. If it's not love, then it's not the gospel. If it's not love, it's not the gospel. You know, I was trying to talk to somebody. I said, you as a human being, if you if actually had um, a child, you give birth to a child, and because the child does something wrong, would you kill the child? I said, no. See, in human understanding, you will not even kill a child. But the child remains your child. He said, yes. I said, now extrapolate it and think this way. If you come to Christ and you have been in a new birth, how can the sins of your father and the sins that you committed before be the reason for you to be condemned? And he was looking at me. I said, yes, it's as simple as that. I realized that because of the simplicity of the gospel, people don't believe it. Yeah, it's so simple. The simplicity of, how can you meet a man like Zacchaeus? Just tell him, come down, follow me. I'm going to your house today. And that's how salvation comes. So easy. Just like that. <laughs> you must be kidding. You mean that I don't have to bring the fattest ram or the fattest cow to slaughter? I remember years back when one of my cousins was actually trying to do a housewarming. Years back, it's, it's, it's been a while, I think almost six years ago, he was trying to do a housewarming, opening a house. Child of God, it was so funny. Before I even arrived, I started hearing gist. He had about eight governors attend that occasion, even from the north, down in my place. Housewarming, and you have different traditional rulers, chiefs, and the rest. In fact, the interesting thing about it is, there were some traditional rulers that before they step out of their cars, there is a particular animal you will go and bring. 
and you will cut it and spill the blood before they will step on the ground to come down. Ah, you're, you're surprised, man. <laughs> there are some, you will go and look for it there and they, they have arrived your venue. There are people that have been informed that so-so-so and so king is coming, so-so and so person is coming. And then you have to get that animal as it gets to that your venue. You slaughter it before he comes down. If you don't slaughter it, he will drive and take his car and go back. And when we heard these things, we laughed. We said, these things are born out of ignorance. Because it's not their territory, they are afraid. They have to make sacrifice to appease so that whatever territorial <laughs> will actually calm down for them. And I'm like, the gospel is so sweet. People like us will just wear our shit and go anywhere we want to go to. We won't take microphone and preach. But there are people that are limited by their ignorance. But you know the funny thing? Just to come down from a sky, it's so complicated. The law makes things complicated. It's so complex. How can I, as a human being, wait for the blood of an animal to be free to walk on the ground that he said he has given to me as an inheritance. Now, when you now come and tell such a person that his price has been paid and that he doesn't have to do all those things, he will look at you, do you even know what you're saying? Do you know how many sacrifices I did to be alive? And you will laugh. And sometimes I just tell there was a few days ago, you know, they called me and because of the position I occupy in the family, they were saying some things. Very funny things. <laughs> they said that they saw in their mirror that I'm doing too much church, that this my own pastor is taking me. <laughs> I said, I call it mirror. Actually, it wasn't mirror, child. But I just call it mirror because I don't know how they saw or how they, they see it. And that I'm praying too much. And that the ancestors are not happy with me. I said, hey, Really? It's okay, what will we do? They say, you know that um, I'm going to buy this and that. I said, what are we using it for? I said, okay, you're going to, we're going to buy this and then a piece on the phone. <laughs> I just started saying, I need the sacrifice. They just put off the phone. <laughs> the next minute, my mother called me and said, what are these people saying? I said, Mommy, they said that I would. Um, I said, I don't know that one. No, Jesus has paid my price. He said, This man, you don't understand that there is. I said, See, anything that has to do with the blood of an animal and the rest, I have enough blood. Can I lend you? My sisters were, you are, you are playing with us now. You are playing with this. I said, They've not called me again. They cannot call me. The one that I'm supposed to do, I will do. But you see, they want to go and sacrifice. I don't understand what you mean. I told them, I said, Jesus has paid my price. They said, you know, I said, see, listen to me. It was so simple. And they won't, listen, if you don't understand this thing, they will be able to convince you. I said, I don't know what people are saying. Me too, I will die and be an ancestor. And I will not disturb anybody. It's so simple. I said, I will die and be an ancestor someday. I will not disturb anybody. If my ancestors are hungry, tell them to wear clothes. Come, I will give them food. They said that to laugh. I said, yes. Because of the complication of what they have been through, our forefathers did not know the gospel. 
Some of you don't know that you're paying the price for your children to come. David encountered God in different shapes, different forms. You know, one interesting thing about the encounter David had was that at a point he saw God as El Deot. El Deot, the God of knowledge. I think one of the things we have received in this house is Jehovah El Deot, the God of knowledge. Knowledge is like light. When it comes, it removes darkness. I didn't have to pray. Let me give you a little hint, a little story. Though back then, when I was doing politics back then in my state, even in school, <laughs> it's not today. Oh. <laughs> We're doing politics. I had a political rival. I didn't bend the way they expected me to bend. So what she did was, it was a very serious issue. It took almost nine months. They summoned me before the highest deity in the southeastern region. It's of, interestingly, the highest deity. I don't know if people heard recently that one of the governors, because of what he was saying, was summoned there too. And they were begging like that. So they summoned me before the highest deity. I can't call that name. One nonsense name like that in my village. You know? And because of politics too, and they said um, that I must appear. Funny enough, the deity writes a letter. They wrote me a letter. Yes! The deity wrote, they wrote a letter. I didn't receive the letter. I said, I'm not taking the letter. They told me, yes, official letter to appear before the deity. I must appear. There is an issue that has been brought against me. And I must answer. Lord of God, this was about, when did I leave? I think I left in 2015. So it is about 2014. I said, hey, okay, evil. Very, very funny story. You will have brought me. There are people who ignorance has destroyed their lives. They called me on phone, said, in two weeks, if I don't appear, that they will take the sacrifice to another level. Say, okay, oh, really? I went to school. I was doing my thing. I was still playing my politics. My hands are clean. That's how I used to do it. Two weeks afterwards, they located my own village. Me, that is even in town. I've not gone to the village for years. These people, the devil is a bastard. These people located my village, went to my village, went to the front. And you know, in Igbo land, one person does not live in seclusion. So you can come to my family and the whole of Gimba Road is just my family. You're with different compounds like that. These people went to the very gate of my family, the entire family. Called my name. Killed an animal. I don't know. I guess it's chicken. Because I'm sure that the babalawo must be hungry. And now it's it's, I guess it's chicken because what the security man was describing to me after the event, I was like, oh really? Kill the chicken, spill the blood, called my name, called my name, called my name, called my name. Child of God, they sent thunder. Yes, they said I saw the thunder. I saw it. They sent thunder twice. And the only capacity a thunder could do. In my room, the only thing thunder could destroy was sockets. They sent the first one. Parara, he went to that. They called, is he still alive? They said, this guy is still alive. 
After one week, they sent another one, put right to the other socket. were made, nothing happened. In fact, when they got tired by pursuing it spiritually, they now went to the police. They reached the police. The police said, what has this guy done to you now? What? Say, we cannot arrest him more. And funny enough, as small as I was then, I was a big man in that, in that state. Police had to call me on phone and say, hey, Mr. President, we're inviting you. Can you come? I said, I cannot come. I'm in clinics. Okay, when will, you, will it be convenient for you to come? Then I said, they want to settle amicably. They said, but tell us, Presido. It's not church. You are no bony man. <laughs> he said, tell us, President, it's not church. Tell us, where is your own court? And they started narrating all that they had done. How they had sent the thunder, done everything, and the rest of them. Child of God, the biggest deity, just like we sang, it's God. The blood, you don't know. When we take the blood, when we drink of that cup, you don't know what is contained in it. The blood shields you. It's your refuge. It's simple to understand and to believe. Some of you think you have to impress God. Some of you think that there is something you must do. There is nothing. God is the one that has the capacity. He has the ability to deliver the same thing that he gave to his son to you just by faith. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was what? He received salvation and Jesus said that he is of the family of Abraham because he received by faith. The running to the sycamore tree to go up there and see Jesus was an act of faith. So he received salvation by faith. Initially, he didn't understand that what he was doing was a demonstration of faith. But then he did it. And when Jesus saw that this man really needs an encounter, he needs to see me. The Bible says that Jesus told him salvation had come to his house. And trust me, child of God, the reason many people don't understand this gospel, and that's why we must preach it, is because it's so simple. It's simple. I got my understanding and my revelation that nobody in my family dies except I approve. I was sharing with our lead pastor. I said, it escaped me that there was this particular member of my family that I did not cover because I felt he was a pastor too. You can be a pastor and not understand that side of the gospel. I'll show you something. Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 in verse 40 to 42 let's go quickly Luke chapter 10 verse 40 to 42 are we there like I'm going to be faster than you But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. 
You see, the story of Martha was such that many of us as believers, we don't even know that we have the gospel in our presence. And we are so bothered about trying to impress Jesus. When Jesus came to Mary and Martha, Martha was so, like, she was complaining that why? Hey, Jesus, are you not bothered? She's not even trying to receive you. She's not even trying to give you the needed reception and the rest of them. And Jesus had to rebuke her and tell her that you are bothered about this thing, but Mary, your sister, understands and has taken the most important thing. Many believers are like that. They are trying to impress Jesus. They are trying to impress God. They are trying to impress God by they must do some certain things, live some certain way to be able to receive the gospel. This is Jesus in their house. This is Jesus with Mary and Martha. And Martha was bothered about seven and how to receive Jesus. Now let's say Jesus, as we agree, is the replica of the gospel. It means that as Jesus came to the house of Mary and Martha, the gospel had come, right? And then what was she doing? Martha was running about, uh, trying to set the place uh, so that the gospel will enter. So that the... No, 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 no. There is no part you play than to accept. So Mary accepted because she knew that this is the gospel in my house. I must listen. I must accept. I don't have to clean the place. Some of you, you think it's by making efforts to clean your life before you can now say you have received the gospel. That is sanctimony. Morality. There is a difference between spirituality and morality. The thou shall not, thou shall not is the one you're using your capacity, your ability like matter. I want to. But Mary understood that this is the gospel personified in my house. Let me receive the gospel totally. And Jesus told her that it's your sister that has received the gospel. The complexity of what they had taught you years back is what is happening to you. Such that it's difficult. I have met people that have sat on that and they are saying, hmm, this is Pastor this is this preaching. <laughs> are you sure it's true? How can it be that easy? So like this, now I'm righteous. <laughs> so like this, now me, like this, I'm righteous. You know, they've taught you that a righteous person is the person you will not see his hair. There's no earring. There's no lipstick. I'm not criticizing. We were once there. If that was the righteousness... Then a person like Martha would have been accepted because what she was trying to do was to ensure that her life was clean before Jesus delivers the gospel to her. The complexity that they had taught you years back was the reason is the reason today that many people still feel that it's impossible for them to be righteous. I'll show you something interesting. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 quickly. You'll just see quickly how complex these people were. Then we had the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the Sahendra. In fact, Pharisee was fat to see. They cannot see the gospel. They were fat to see. The Sadducee, they always sad to see it. John chapter 3. In verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, 
a ruler of the Jews. See, when I'm reading the stories to you, I want you to take note of their portfolios. We saw Zacchaeus. We saw the level. Chief amongst the publicans. Verse 2, it says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, meaning master, we know that thou art a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What nonsense is this man saying? That's the first thing. What nonsense? Which one is born again? Verse 4. Just give me verse 4. So he was, he was surprised that it was that easy. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter? So as simple as born again, a ruler of the Jews, a bishop in those days did not understand it. He couldn't appreciate it. He felt it meant for you to go in to your mother's womb and be born again. That's to tell you something. It was so complex for them. They had a lot of procedures and processes. And that was why in the old times, you cannot be a priest. They will have to tie you just in case you don't make it out alive. But the Bible says when Jesus came, the temple veil tore and we could enter, assess the holy of holies. A man like Nicodemus did not even understand it. He thought it meant to go back to be born. That is, the complexity has made people, even now, there are still some men of God that still cannot appreciate because a man like Nicodemus needed to unlearn, relearn, and learn. And when you sit under this atmosphere and they tell you things and we dish the gospel as it is, clear, simple, you're saved. I told someone, yes, I'm saved forever. See, eh? Yes. Somebody say, you are crucifying Jesus every day. I say, really? That means all of us, 8 billion people, we have different Jesuses. We will be crucifying our Jesus now. Baba, will you crucify your own? Every day. Ignorance. A bishop like Bishop Nicodemus. In fact, I'm sure he would have been an archbishop because there were other people under him. But he didn't understand the simplicity. Born of the water and of the spirit. The spirit of God. Once you're born of the spirit of God. As simple as that. And today we can lift up holy hands because we are born of the spirit of God. That simple. <laughs> Very simple. I'm going to also share John chapter 11, verse 32, quickly. John chapter 11, verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, he fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. 34. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Now this was 
a friend of Jesus, Lazarus, the brother to Mary and Martha. And funny enough, he died in the absence of Jesus. And when Jesus came back, they were reporting to Jesus about the death of Lazarus. And the understanding that they had was what made her speak in the manner in which she spoke. She was like, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Mary had reported everything to Jesus, if you move with me to 43 to 11, 43, move to 43, yes, to 44, let's go to 44 now. It says, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. In spite of their limitations in understanding that with Jesus there is no such thing as bad news. Because Jesus came. And when Jesus comes, the gospel comes. Jesus returned. It means that the gospel comes with Jesus. And then when the gospel came, we saw that there is no bad news in the good news. So Mary herself did not understand that she was with the gospel. And the gospel was actually about good news. How can you be crying when you're with the good news in your presence? I said to somebody, I said, we've done theology, but could it be possible that even though Jesus was the friend to Lazarus and that could have made him emotional, could it be possible that Jesus looked at the ignorance of these people and cried? <laughs> could it be possible that, how can you say if I were here, like I am here, I am the good news, the resurrection and the life, and you're telling me that he's dead? How about, that means you're underrating me, oh. Many of us have underrated the presence of the gospel in our lives. We don't understand that every time we hear the gospel, we hear Jesus. It's the unfiltered. It is the undiluted. It is the personality of Jesus being reflected to us in person. So Mary and Martha came and encountered Jesus and then they were doing what they, even when their brother Lazarus died and Jesus came, you saw good news and you're still talking about bad news. There is no bad news. There cannot be Jesus and then there will be a bad news. So there cannot be the gospel and then you will not experience the good news. And that's why he said, come, follow me. Take me to where he is. And when Jesus went there, this is the good news. Lazarus, if he were dead, they would have said, Jesus would have said, come back to life. Because I don't see how you tell, you will not tell a dead man if you want to resurrect him, come back to life. But Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth. It's just like saying, oh boy, come. Ah, how? Open that place. Come. That easy? Yes. That simple? Yes. When you encounter the gospel, the narrative changes. The things that were difficult become so easy, so effortless. So you mean that we will send you thunder and it will be only socket? Because the truth is, if I did not see the socket, they tell me they send thunder, I will not believe. 
So I needed to see what they could do. So how can a whole day it's the biggest in Ibo land? It's the only socket it can destroy. Timo, And people will go and bow down for that kind of thing. And then you tell me to go and worship another God that can only destroy sockets. That my electricians still come and repair. Kai. May God give us wisdom. Amen. You didn't shout, Amen. Amen. Jesus will change whatever wrong narrative you've had. That's what the gospel does it changes the narrative, it changes whatever wrong impression you've had. When you receive the gospel, just believe. So we say, just by believing, yes, yes. The problem with us is that we worry too much. We're so concerned about the products. How is it going to be like? How is it going to feel like? How am I supposed to be like? And let them not say that I'm not a pastor's wife. Or let them not say I'm not a pastor. I'm not, you know, that's what people are worried about. Inside of you, do you have the lights? Somebody say you don't have to look like it to be it. Just be it. You don't have to look like it to be it. Just be it. Some of us, when we train, we train to be doctors. And I don't even have to look like it. Some people see me and they say, you can never be a doctor. I say, yes, sir. Only when you meet me in the hospital, ah, it's true to you be a doctor. <laughs> ah. You're born again now. You're now making, you're trying to impress people because you're born again so that you look like you're born again. <laughs> Just be born again. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Just be born again. Be born of the Spirit and of water. Because the gospel brings about the transformation. It's not you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to share another story. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 12. This one is quite um, a bit interesting. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 12. It's a long one. Jesus went onto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken into adultery. Take note of that child of God. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they say, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus took down. And with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. Beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Had none, had no man condemned thee? I studied this story, and the first question that came to my mind was, 
I have a problem with the way Bible stories give captions. The woman caught in adultery. Why is it not adulterous people? Why is it woman? Why is it only the woman? There were more than one. There were two. It was more than one person, right? But it was the woman. Why were they so concerned about the woman? <laughs> adulterous woman. That's what you will see. You know, biological science explains something to us that for a man, let me tell you a little of this. For a man, his... His ability to feel honey, it's a head thing. Because every time of the man, he is able, he can deliver sexually. He can, yes. So a man is wired biologically to deliver at any point. Because the first seat of his sexuality is his head. Now for the woman, she has a cycle. And in that cycle... What you call the menstrual cycle, there are periods when she can only feel that way. So this is unfair. A woman who has a timing in the month is the one you are crucifying. Not the man who is always ready to do So how do you know? Now between the man and the woman, who possibly would have initiated it? Because the man is ready to deliver anytime. But they are going to accuse a woman who has only maybe just three days. It's one week ovulation last. For some people, three days in space. So imagine they're accusing it. So you see these stories. They are with a lot of limitations. Is the woman in adultery? Why is it not the man? Because by law, there are so much complications and restrictions. But when Jesus and this woman encountered Jesus the narrative changed the story changed it was no more about ah, child of God let me tell you something there were no accusers anymore there were nobody the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 for now there is no more condemnation against those that are in Christ Jesus child of God there is no condemnation there is nothing that can stop you because anytime you encounter Jesus anytime you meet with the gospel nobody can condemn you and so when the woman met with Jesus her story changed that was supposed to be her last day on earth but child of God that was a new that was a new beginning for her child of God when you encounter the gospel there is a new beginning for you there is a new beginning for you your story is written and your old is past for the woman there was nothing else they could say about her because there are no accusers child of God in this month as you end this year in your year of movement because you have the gospel nothing can stop you you can never be condemned you can never be condemned lift up your hands rise to your feet there is no more condemnation nobody can stop you you are unstoppable child of God they couldn't condemn her they couldn't stop her even the grave couldn't hold Jesus couldn't hold Jesus couldn't hold Jesus Jesus destroyed the powers in hell the same way the 